This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Yes, yes, it is a beautiful morning outside. Nice and crisp and sunny. Pretty dry for a lot of gardeners, but, you know, this is good for the farmers to get their crops out and all that. So, uh, you know, well, you got to take whatever you can get and modify the rest. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you've tuned into the Gestalt Gardener. Java, <clears throat> I've got a, I'm scared to touch this thing, but I'm going to pull Pull this farmer. There we go. They had it where I couldn't see who was calling. Oh, yeah, well, we're going to have to sit. I'm, I'm going to step in there in a few minutes because we finally put the calls on the big screen. The big screen. So you don't have to squint anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it just means I have to throw my head back to see it, and that kicks my bifocals into action, which means I can't see it anyway. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about gardening. Anybody wants to give us a call, here it is, the middle of October. We've got a few thing, a few events coming up, but a lot of people are getting ready for winter. They're planting stuff. They're uh, not quite pulling up the old uh, zinnias and marigolds and tomatoes and cucumbers and stuff like that because they're still, in a lot of cases, they're still kicking. And a lot of folks planted a fall garden back in August, and starting to, I'm, I'm starting to see little tiny tomatoes on some plants that I set out. And um, so anyway, fall is a great time for harvesting, but it's also a terrific time for planting for winter and spring. This past week, I put out who pansies and marigolds and burgundy mustard, which is an ornamental plant, and different kinds of kale. And uh, I put some um, calendulas, uh, what they call pot marigolds. I put a bunch of stuff in pots. And don't get me wrong, I don't have a big garden. I don't have a lot of places to plant. I got little strategic spots, not any bigger than a coffee table, just scattered here and there. But I plant the same stuff in all of them, so the whole garden comes alive. It's like a 3D effect. When you move, you know, it all shifts because it's got a lot of repetition and rhythm and stuff. And uh, this is stuff I learned back in college, but also if you got a small space, patio, backyard, maybe you live in an apartment, just have a porch, repeating things really gives a bigger effect bigger fat little 2d thing anyway there's a lot of stuff we can plant right now a lot of people are having trouble with uh oh uh oh hang on never turn it off no 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 you getting a notification man yeah yeah i've got a i gotta have my nose carved on because that was too much sun and and they're just trying to schedule when to when to booger me up you know i don't mind being an old guy java but an old guy with a boogered up nose so ordinary you know, well, wear some sunscreen, my friend. <laughs> one thing I did want to ask you before we got a couple of early callers uh, yeah. lined up, but um, how was how was Sunday with the garden tours? Had uh, around 400 people walk through my garden. Wow. And this is a garden that I haven't had other than family and a few, few gatherings of small gatherings of friends. Nobody has seen my garden. And I had over 400 people tromp through it. And some people were pleased. Some people were stunned. Yeah, and, I can I can imagine some people were, I guess, I don't, I, I hate to say it, but maybe underwhelmed a little bit. It's a lot, of, you know, a lot of stuff to look at. You know, it's a small space, and it was designed well to by, by an architect, landscape architect, Rick Griffin. He's been here on the Gestalt Gardener. He had me do circles, 
uh-huh. you know, circular walks and circular decks and circular beds, which gives you a lot more edge to plant. And, um, you know, so you can walk all the way around the perimeter of my front garden and the back garden. Can't walk right through the middle of anything. And so you're always seeing a shifting scene. And what I should have done, because I've got lots of different kinds of plants, I've got different kinds of walks, decks, water features, uh, yard art, bottle trees, gnomes, you know, all that. I should have given given everybody a toilet paper roll (laughs) to look at, because if you look at it through a toilet paper roll, you see little vignettes instead of getting over. It's like going to a to looking for somebody in a big crowd. You know, you can set the scene. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, it it was successful. I was real anxious. You know, I put a a cape on my mannequin because there might be some (laughs) children involved, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was fun. And uh, I was I was really, really pleased. But, you know, that Friday before um, the uh, MPB Foundation had an event at the uh, Mississippi Museum of Art Uh and I met the Potts. Don and Becky. And (laughs) they are the owners of the miniature horse. And I was so shocked and surprised when I when I met them. Well, uh, Becky and I had planned this neighborhood, uh, this this tour of neighborhood gardens after going up to one in Memphis in the the, uh, Cooper Young neighborhood and uh we had a good there were like 15 or 16 gardens on tour and everybody had a good time that's good good, that's good great. time and um so anyway uh I'm, by the way i'm going to be broadcasting live next friday from from columbus master gardeners are having an education day i'm trying to find out if it's if it's open to the public i don't know if it is or not but uh, i'll have i'll post some stuff a little bit later about that. But anyway, so I'm going to be broadcasting from Columbus, Mississippi next Friday. All uh, right. Meanwhile, uh, we're here to yak with folks about their gardens. Let's start out with Jim and Jackson. Jim, you came through my garden last week. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Yeah. Uh, I just walked to, I know you've talked about your tour, but uh, it was fantastic, and I award you the blue ribbon for having <laughs> the best and most interesting site on the whole tour. And what was also neat was just meeting great folks at your place too, Felder. It was so popular. It was a there were a lot of people that I'd never met before. Some old friends and all. Good to see you there. And you know, you were all dressed up and everything. I'm thinking, you know, you you need to be a feature back there because you were just so debonair looking. Well, I just come from church. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to be uh, uh, hopefully doing this again next year. But good to see you there. Thank you for opening your garden and your uh, house up to the public, though. That was wonderful. Father. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All righty. Uh, now let's go. To, yeah, it was fun. It was really, really fun. Uh, I was surprised. I was nervous about it. But let's go now down to Beaumont and talk with Sue. Hey, Sue, good morning. Good morning. I wanted to ask you a question about I have this wild bullets vine. You know, bullets is what old folks call those wild grapes. Right. And uh, this, this vine... For years, it's grown up over all the underbrush and all of everything, and, and produced grapes. And um, flocks of birds would come out there and just devour them. You know, right? It's, it, the leaves turn yellow, and it, 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 I haven't seen a, not a single bird. What could happen to my bullets vine? What do you think happens? Uh, I, I don't know. And, and by the way, bullets is a is a folk name for. You know, we have wild muscadines, and some are some are, are are yellow, and some are dark blue, and they call those bullises because they look like a, a European fruit called bullis. But I- anyway, uh, did you have any berries at all on it, or just none, none at all? Think at all, because I haven't seen not one bird out there. And I always enjoy watching the flocks of birds come. They they fight each other to get to the bullis. Yeah, but but did you did you have uh, berries on it this year? 
I don't think so. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. The wild musket eyes are separate male and female. Some of the, the store-bought kinds are self-pollinating, but it could be that because we had a lot of rain, you know, when, the, when they were blooming, that, 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 that pollen didn't get from the male to the female. You know, it happens with pecan trees and other, you know, all sorts of things. It, it rained a lot in the spring, and it could just be that it was raining too hard and the pollen didn't make it from the nearby males to the female. And sometimes well, that's all it is. The vine itself is not when the leaves turn yellow. I thought it was dying. Oh know, no, no, like they 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 have really good fall color. They have good yellow fall color. Okay, well, thank you for your information. That's just it's just an educated guess, but I think it's pretty. It, it, it's a good one. All right, bye bye. Okay, appreciate it, Sue. Thank you. Now to slide up to the heart of the Delta to Belzona. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Well, I think we still have to queue them what? up. What? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, he's not. You're jumping the gun, Felder. That's okay. I'm just real excited. You know, my antihist this time of year for the ragweed, my antihistamines have kicked in. Now you tease it a little bit, and I and I am kind of anticipating, hopefully, getting an answer about this weird thing that I brought in. I think it's a fruit uh, that you posted on Facebook. Well, I'm 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 in the process of doing that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. See, so you jumping the gun on me now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's a weird fruit. It, it it looks like an unripe avocado, but it doesn't have the the seed in the middle, and it smells sweet, so it can't be a squash. But you say your son brought it home from school. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. I don't know where he particularly got it from. It was in his book bag, so, I mean, he could have picked it up or— I don't know if it was in a, a, a fruit a fruit basket he got at school. I don't know, so I'm just real curious about about this uh, about this unripened avocado because yeah. that's what I've been calling it for about a week. Yeah, well, you know, I don't I don't know. So we're gonna put a picture and see if uh, the Mississippi Gardening Facebook folks can help out. Uh, we got Mark yet? Okay, Mark, call him from the heart of the Delta. What's up, Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's what's going on, man? Hey, look, I have a question about something. My, uh, I have some a couple of fruit trees, right? And they're growing on the edge of a, a big ditch. Yeah. And it's a lot of farmland around. And I'm wondering if the runoff from the farmland is going to affect the, the fruits, you know, the pesticides and, and uh, herbicides that they're using on the crops. Like I got a lot of corn and, and soybeans, things like that. Right. running into that ditch. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's what the trees are. That's a real good question, Mark. And I'm from the Delta, too, so believe me, I understand there's a lot of agriculture runoff, a whole lot. But uh, here's the deal. When I was a kid, uh, we were talking about a long time ago, the stuff they used would run off. The stuff they use now is, is has been, over the years, the stuff that runs off and causes problems has been done away with. And the stuff they use now, uh, it largely, as soon as it works, is gone. And it doesn't wash off. You know, we don't have the, the DDT. We don't have the, you know, the toxophenes and all those kind of things like we used to. So the stuff they use now is designed to be more efficient, uh, safer, uh, and also safer for the environment. They've done a pretty good job of that. And 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 those are the rules. You can't even buy that, the what I, what I call the good old stuff anymore. So And right. on top of that, the, uh, unless we're talking about weed killers, and they do not use weed killers anymore that run off. They're not; these things are not absorbed through roots and translocated up into fruits. So we we've come a long ways with pest, with agriculture pesticides. Okay, 
Sounds good. Sounds so, like I can eat it. Yeah, you, you can eat it. You know, you just need to keep an eye on the crop dusters because, you know, this time of year, they, you know, they're, they're out there uh, spraying defoliants. And if the wind is is wrong, you know, that can cause some problems. Not not on the fruit, though, but, you know, it just, you know, and, and the, the those fly boys who are applying that stuff, they know what they're doing and they've got insurance in case they accidentally booger somebody's plants up. So, you know, it's not a health problem is what I'm saying. Okay. Sounds good. That's what I want to hear. All righty, man. You bet. Thanks for calling, Mark. That's a real good question. I mean, when I was a kid, this this when uh, uh, oh who was Rachel? uh, What's her name? She wrote Silent Spring. Rachel Carson, and saying, you know, this stuff we're using is causing problems, and she sort of brought it to everybody's attention. And over the next ten, fifteen years. Uh, they did away with a lot of things that were causing serious problems, the DDT and, and all that kind of stuff. That stuff has been gone half a century. Hard to believe. But the new stuff, actually, Java, a lot of the new stuff they're spraying is is synthetic, organic stuff. It's, it's just exactly like natural stuff, and it just it almost doesn't work. It's funny, it's funny that you said that, that they don't use, you know, use that anymore. And once what they're using now is used up. Yeah, it it's, it degrades. It, yeah, you know, it there's some there's some things when they spray them, uh, by the next day it's gone. It's degraded. It's got what's called a half life. It breaks down so quickly uh, that if you don't hit what your if you don't hit your target, if you miss it by a day or so, you missed it. So yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a good good question. I'm sympathetic to both sides of the organic synthetic side, and there is there are good uh, compromises. Yeah, because you have to pr- protect the crops, but you don't want to make them so. Yeah, and uh, if you got to do know. it, let's find something that really works, and that's what's on the market now. So anyway, let's slide up to Madison, Mississippi. Talk to Steve. Steve, you got a bunch of bees in your shrub. I do, Elder. I, I enjoy your program, by the way, and thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Uh, I have some just general shrubs around my house, and I've had them for years, and I've never had this problem, but recently, uh, two of the shrubs looked like they were dying, but half of the shrub was dying off. And uh, I started cutting it back, the dead part, and I noticed a beehive in there. It's uh, a nest. Yeah. They look like miniature uh, honeybees, but they're not a honeybee. I wonder if you know what they are and how to deal with them. Well, the honey honeybees are uh, live in colonies. Uh, they live in nests. Most of our native bees do not. Most of the native bees are solitary. They live in holes in old wood or in trees or in the ground or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but we also have, does it look like a regular wasp nest and hangs upside down like a little regular wasp nest? Yeah, the nest looks just like a wasp nest. Okay, and these things, were they mad when you found them? They didn't. They didn't sting me at all. Okay. The reason I'm saying because there is a real common wasp. It's called a guinea wasp, uh, and they're small, uh, much smaller. They're not much bigger than, than than honeybees, and they have sort of a not yellow and black like a yellow jacket, but sort of a brownish black. So it's sort of if you didn't have your glasses on and squint your eyes, they'd be the same colored honeybees. And they live in regular nests. And this is the time of year when people find them because they're pruning their gra- their ornamental grasses or they're cutting their shrubs back. And guinea wasps make nests in dense shrubbery like that. But they can snake. One landed on my nose and stung me inside my nostril. 
It was tough. Oh, really? But uh, anyway, the most co- usually, and this is a gross generalization. I should, as an entomology student, I shouldn't say this, but in general, if they make big nests like that, they can be aggressive. But um, huh. and, you know, usually the solitary ones uh, just sort of mind their own business. Uh, uh, I- anyway. I would suspect it's a it's a type of wasp called a guinea wasp, and they will come. You know, if you upset them, they'll come out after you, but not like a yellow jacket or a hornet. But they'll yeah. come after you, and uh, and this is the time when everybody finds them. They're kicking around the shrubs, neating this stuff up, and the wasp saying, "Hang on." Right. What? Well, why does it kill the shrub? It doesn't. There's something else going on there. Something else. The the bees don't have any effect on the uh, bees and wasps don't have any effect on the growth of plants. So there, there's a there's another issue there, and you just happen to notice it, and that's when you found the wasp. If, yeah, if the that only makes... two, the only two shrubs that have this, and it's only a partial part of the bush that's dying off, and it's exactly where the the nest is. I, I'm just saying it, it just, uh, it's just I'm I, I, I'm I'm 99.999 percent that it's just coincidence. Uh, you know, yeah. the chances yeah. of when shrubs die this year, did they turn brown and the leaves stick on or did they shed off? Uh, the leaves stayed on. They yeah. turned brown. Usually. Only a port, small portion of the shrub. Yeah, well, and, and I'm, exp- I'm explaining this also because a lot of people have the same problem and are curious. When, when shrubs just brown out, usually in the summer or the fall, usually they had damage to the roots of the trunks ex- pre-existing, and in the springtime, plants put on a lot of good growth because it's good growing season and then all of a sudden they've got all they can manage it and then we have a hot dry summer or early fall and the plants suddenly get pushed over the edge almost always it's a lower trunk injury or a root problem and we see this with plants that are uh, 30 years old just suddenly brown out and uh, i've seen this so many 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 times over the over the years Usually when they turn brown and the leaves stick in the late summer fall, it's an old root or trunk problem, and the plants just had one too many stresses and said, I'm out of here. Okay. So I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that the wasp and the, and the, the dead part are unrelated. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Felder. Yeah. Oh, oh, there is one other possibility that somebody went out there and sprayed the wasp, and that burned the plants up, but I'm thinking we can rule that one out. Yeah, I'm the only one that, yeah. uh, that un- deals un- with unrelated. these. Unrelated. And, the, and I, yeah, yeah, I didn't spray them. Yeah. I just ran across them, and yeah. they didn't seem to be angry. So well, there, there I are, just reached in there and pulled well, the j- nest out. J- j- just trust me on this. You lucked up. <laughs> you lucked okay. up. And if you still got them, take a picture and send it to me. Okay, I sure will. Okay, see you, man. Thank you. All righty. Now, um, not sure who the next caller is. Josiah from Pearl. Hey, Josiah, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's How are you all doing, gentlemen? So far, so good. Yeah, what? so I'm not a plant person or plant disease. I can't really recognize them, but I have... Uh, two plants in front of my yard. I think one is an azalea. The other two, I don't know. But recently, what I've noticed is that the the, the bridge shrub, which is uh, the azalea, it's quite big, uh-huh. um, it, started, it started developing like black spots on the leaves. And it started in one side of the, of the shrub, and then now it's spread all over the whole plant. Like there are black spots all over all the leaves. Now, I 
I don't know what's going on, but I want to save the plant. I don't want it to die. Now, the, the other shrub uh, also have, right next to it, probably about 10 feet away, also have these black spots on the leaves. But that plant is actually shafted, like it's debarking. So, like, there's a lot of uh, bark around it. I'm, I'm shocked. I didn't, I didn't realize uh, a small shrub like that can debark. You know, I see they're shedding. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to find out what could be going on and how can I uh, rectify or well, or cure the disease, whatever it is. Okay. First of all, there's lots of, not lots, there's several very common things that cause spots on the leaves. One is if these are anywhere near trees that are, have been dripping sap, we have this black sooty mold that grows on dripping sap from trees. It's actually insects feeding on the trees, and their drippings have got dissolved plant sugars in them. That's real, real common on a whole lot of shrubs. If you've got trees uh, uh, nearby, or if you've got uh, shrubs that have got insects on it, their dripping is going to have dissolved sap in it, which is plant sugar, and this black sooty mold mm-hmm. grows on that. It'll cover stems and twigs and leaves and everything. Uh, and that's an insect problem. The black stuff is sort of extra. It's the symptom, but the cause is insect sucking sap out of the plants. Usually that sort of peters out this time of year. It's getting fall. Plants aren't pumping sugar to their leaves. Insects just generally stop working right now. Uh, it could also be a fungal disease, though. And, you know, and I can't tell without either seeing a clear picture of it, looking at the leaves. So, um, right. You I know, have pictures. I, I just need to know where to send it. Okay. Well, what's, uh, what's I, you know, if you'll go to filterrushing.blog, filterrushing.blog, it has a thing that says email me. Or you can, uh, you know, you can go online and find the, the uh, Rankin County Extension Office. And get their uh, online and get their email and send it to them because the county I'm I'm a retired county extension person so I I know they can help, but uh, you know uh, otherwise I don't know what to say. Right, I think it might be insects. I I mean there are a lot of plant uh, ants. Yeah. Uh, what if they're ants? You know, ants are a good symptom because ants actually move these insects that suck sap around. The insects suck sap out of the plant, and their their excrement has got digested sugars in it. And ants will actually move them around and farm them. So if you got a bunch of ants, if this stuff rubs off, that's all it is, and the insects are gonna disappear this month because it's getting cold. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Best I can do, man. Good luck on it. All right. All righty. Whew, that was a lot of educated guessing right there, Java. Well, some, sometimes that's just what, what what is needed. I guess this this would be like, you know, back in the Gunsmoke days, you know, Doc Adams, he couldn't get on his horse and ride over there, so they would call him. They didn't have phones, of course, so they would they would telegraph him something, and he would say, he'd write back and say, I need to get the patient to say, ah. I can't just say what causes the sore throat, so I don't know. So, anyway. Well, we got one more call. Let's take a... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. John from Magnolia. The big screen only goes one, two, three, and John was on four. He snuck in there. There you go. What's (laughs) up, man? Yeah. How you doing this morning, Mr. Feller? So far, so good. So far, so good. This this is your Indian friend. I was listening to y'all talking about uh, stuff that you put on plants to keep the bugs away. They don't use the stuff no more. Uh Uh-huh. And what my... What my old Indian grandmother made was tobacco uh, 
and uh, put it in with some red pepper and some jarred liquor and mix it with water. <laughs> yeah. And spray your veg- and it works. Yeah, it works. Hey, you want to know something really weird, though? That that, that tobacco juice has got nicotine sulfate in it, which is not just poisonous, it's deadly toxic to humans. But when, it, it don't hurt nothing. It don't hurt nothing. She, she makes it up. Used to make it up all the time when I was a little boy growing up in them mountains. Yeah. And she spray a collets and greens and stuff, and it didn't hurt them. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm just saying that, that nicot- concentrated nicotine is is has been used as an insecticide, and the label has got a skull and crossbones on it. That's a legal thing. So yeah. it, 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 we, we used to do a lot of stuff that worked, but it wasn't great. But I ain't going <laughs> to argue with your grandmama, that's for sure. <laughs> now, they don't argue with them Indians. Nope. And another thing I want to ask you, what, we ain't getting no rain, so the greens is not going. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, welcome to my world. You know, I, I had, you know, I, I don't even have a hose that will reach my garden. So I've had to carry buckets of water to it and put on my, my, my young lettuces and stuff like that. You know, gardening is a gamble. Well, that's that's the main thing. I'm going to let you go. But, you know, that's one thing about it. You don't, we didn't never water nothing back in them hills. Because if you start the water, and you got to keep it up. If you stop watering, everything's going to die. That's right. But a lot of people went hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got a scoop, man. Thanks for calling. Yep. And, and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely not saying your grandmama was wrong, but I hope she don't spit that <laughs> stuff on my foot. <laughs> yeah, have a blessed weekend, brother fella. See you, our friend. Up. See you later. Yeah, Java. I'm, this is the first time y'all have used a big screen, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, the screen it goes one, two, three, but it doesn't show that fourth line on it. Well, I'm, we're gonna get that together. I, I'm, I'm just giving a little little technical feedback here, <laughs> uh, and because you assured me that I'd be able to see it, and <laughs> I'm not gonna say you lied to me. I just didn't give the whole truth. <laughs> That's okay. By the way, this coming Tuesday night, Tuesday evening, I'm giving a free program at the Kosciuszko Library. Kosciuszko is uh, uh, north central Mississippi on October 18th. That's going to be at 6 p.m. And, uh, and, and it's uh, open to the public. We can have a whole lot of fun there and, and doing that. So thank you, Java, for fixing a screen, man. I mean, you just can't, you young people just come in and wave. St- Things in the air and fix things. <laughs> we got to make sure it's right for you, man. There we you make go. Sure. Yeah, well, it, it ain't right anymore. It's just back, back down to the three. See? It's because when you left, your magic left with you. Oh, technology. <laughs> let's let's go to Boonville. Steve, what's going on? Howdy. Good morning. Um, I have a little more excitement this year with my uh, green thumb. My wife was so sweet on my birthday and bought me a, a nice 12 by 12 greenhouse. Wow. And I'm having a ball with it, but um, I, I have it filled right now with five-gallon buckets and planters with uh, several vegetables. I, I'll try not to take too much of your time, but I'll, make, I'll tell you the short list of what I have is peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, eggplant, and um, uh, squash. Oh, I'll, I'll take the other ones. Anyway, a few herbs, but um, I have been delighted to discover that most of the peppers I have, I've grown them inside as well, um, are self-pollinating. Yeah. But I'm wanting to know about the cucumbers, tomatoes, and eggplants. Are they self-pollinating, yeah. or do I need to get out there with a magic brush? Well, no, no, they're self-pollinating, but it, the pollen doesn't just shake loose by itself. You've got to, uh, 
you, you have to, to jar, you have to shake the plants a little bit. Outside, it happens in the wind. Insects land, insects will land on the, on the, the, the flowers and it doesn't, they don't, the flowers don't need it for cross pollination, but it helps shake the pollen loose. And so what they do in commercial greenhouses, they go around and uh, whatever the plants are growing on, whether it's uh, strings or stakes or something, they just thump them, you know, just shake them up, you know, jar them a little bit. And that shakes the flowers and helps shake the pollen loose. Okay, because I was wondering if I put a small fan in there, if that no, would help too. No, okay. well, you know, it had to be pretty, you know, it's got to, it's got to, you know, vibrate the plants, you know, it's got to be pretty stout so just just every now and then go in you know if they're growing on strings or stakes just thump get your little stick and just tap tap the sticks or the stakes a little bit uh now with the cucumbers cucumbers and squash they do have separate male and female flowers and they've got to be hand pollinated you have to take the okay i noticed that because on the cucumber it said look for the what the little swell underneath the bloom if it's going to be a female look, or yeah, not. Cu- cucumbers and, and, and watermelons and pumpkins and squash, uh, the female flowers on the end of an immature fruit. It's not. It, it looks like a little small cucumber with a flower on the end. Okay. And then the males okay. are on just a plain, simple stem. And you can break the male off, gently peel the petals off. you got a tiny little, looks like a little pollen brush, and just dab it uh, on open female flower, and it works. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm okay. Really get, get, going on. get you a tapping stick, you know, and, and, and whenever you go in there, just tap on the stakes or the strings of the other ones, and that'll shake the pollen loose. I'll sure do it. Thank you. All right. Appreciate your call, Steve. Have fun. That's a good size greenhouse. She did you right. It's fun. Thank you. Good. See ya. Okay. Let's slide over to Pickens. Hi, Kay. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Kay. Hi. What's, what's going on? I successfully rooted some figs uh-huh. in February, and when can I put them? When should I put them in the ground? Uh, About it, it, eight inches tall. It, it, any 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 time you can dig a good hole first, because you only get one shot at the hole. But if if they've got roots on them, you know you can plant them. You know they're they're cold hardy. So the main thing is dig a really, really good hole so that next year the roots can shoot straight out as far as possible, as fast as possible, and then cover the whole area with real tree leaves before you put some kind of other pretty mulch. Because the tree leaves over the wintertime, good insulating, but they also break down and feed and improve the soil, so they'll have a whole lot better dirt next year. So if you just put a big, thick ring of tree leaves and maybe cover it with some bark or something like that, you can go ahead and plant them anytime. Great. One more. What are my chances of growing celery in mid-Mississippi? Celery is a—it needs a long, cool season. It doesn't like freezes. It doesn't like hot weather. You can grow celery, but uh, you really need to get started, you know, I'm going to say in late February, early March, and be prepared to protect them from heat. Celery takes a long time to grow. Um, And it's possible, but it's, you know, by the time you get it all done, you could buy celery for 35 cents. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. You just just want to do it myself. Yeah. Well, if you'll go to uh, uh, online, go to msucares.com. That's the extension service website, msucares.com. And in the search box, just type in vegetable gardens. It'll call up their publication, which lists all the different vegetables and what varieties do best, when to plant them in Mississippi, and any special care. And the thing on celery, I forget what it says because nobody grows it anymore. But there's, there's a couple little tricks to it. Uh, either that or shoot, or, or, or shoot me an email, msucares.com. 
uh, t- type in garden tabloid, and it'll give you everything you need to know about growing celery in Mississippi. Thank you. Okay, so appreciate it. Thank you. All righty, we're going to be talking about gardening right at the end of the hour. Java? Now, I have do have a question about that greenhouse because, um, Steve, that was that was really interesting to me. But let's go ahead and talk with another caller on this uh, hidden line four. Uh, John, John in Madison. <laughs> hey, John, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Found there some friends of mine from California gave us some juju bees. Yeah. And uh, I kept we kept the seeds. I, I googled it and and uh, I was just wondering if we could uh, start them here and would they grow down here? Or would I have to carry them in the garage in the wintertime? They weren't moving with. Are you talking about jujube trees? Yeah, they have these little fruits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I was raised with jujubes, and and there's uh there's two commercial growers who sell the trees and the fruits here. Jujube does great here. The, the biggest problem with it is hard to find them, but if you've got them, they make nice, attractive ornamental trees. I was raised with one up in the Delta. There used to be one at my nail garden. There's a fellow out from from uh, Jackson who has different varieties, a whole field full of different kinds. They they do great. They're different varieties. You know, some are better than others. Some produce better. Some have got, you know, bigger or sweeter fruit. But jujubes do great as ornamental plants, and they make fruit. They're not they do make fruit, so yeah. should, I start, should I start trying with seeds now, just dry them out? Oh, 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 you have the fruits? Yeah. Okay, I don't know, okay, you can, I don't know about growing from seed. I'm sure they grow from seed, but here's the deal. When you grow a fruit tree from seed, it has to go through a juvenile phase before it reaches fruiting maturity, and we're talking about seven or eight, maybe ten years before we get any fruit off when grown from seed, and it's going to be... What what we call a a wild seedling, no telling what kind of fruit it's going to have. You know, the only way to really predict growing jujubes is to buy one that's been grown as a cutting off of a named variety, and then it's already already mature, ready to produce. But from a seed, it's going to take at least six seven years before you'll even know if, whether it's worth eating or not. So it still be pretty. Yeah, yeah, they're they're attractive trees. They're attractive trees. I but I I don't I don't know because they're typically grown from cuttings. I don't know whether you need to do some kind of special treatment for the seeds. Uh, what I would do is I'll go online and just say jujube from seed, and see if you can't find it. Whether it needs to be put in the refrigerator uh, over the winter or pre-soaked. Yeah, I just don't know if there's any kind of seed treatment. It's just got that one single pit uh, seed in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate it. I don't think I was much help on that, but maybe I was. I don't know. Well, no, because uh, what? Explain to me, jujube tree. Uh, jujube fruit. Yeah, I, I I brought some in one time. A little wrinkled looking thing. It looked it was about as big as a little egg, and it had a seed in it. And you were acted like you were going to eat it, and maybe you didn't. <laughs> but it's a it's a a small fruit, uh, like a great big cherry, or really really small pear with a single pit in it, and uh, and it tastes. It it's sort of crunchy. It's not an apple. It's not a pear, but it's a little. It has that kind of bite to it, that kind of flavor. I remember when you brought it in. It was it was it was okay. It was yeah. okay. It, it, it's not an apple or a pear or an orange or a yeah. grapefruit, but yeah. it's it's 
you know, if you didn't have anything else, if you were hungry, it'd be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, growing it from a seed is just, like you said, that's a a, a real intense process. It's going to take some time. It takes time. Uh, Fruit trees have to go through a mature, just like people. You know, we got to go through adolescence before we're mature. And trees do the same. They go through a juvenile phase, which can last with fruit trees five, ten years or more. It's like growing a pecan from a seed. You can do it. But your kids are going to be grown by the time it makes any pecans. And then you don't know what kind of pecans because it's because of cross-pollination. You know, I'm not trying to be negative. A lot of people grow apples from seed and pears from seed and grapefruit from seed. And it's fun. It's interesting. But it's not horticulturally productive. And they're not banking on it for the fruit. It's that's just right. the process. That's right. If you want the fruit, you need to buy a named one that's grown from a cutting off of a named predictable variety. There you go. So, anyway, let's slide over to Vicksburg. Chris, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Uh, I was going to ask a question. I have a, my, my property is like a really low, very wet property. Uh-huh. I want to find some kind of trees to plant down my driveway, like you have trees. Yeah, well, there, there's, there's quite a few, including our, you know, we, we have a, a little, it's not going to make good fruit because we have d- uh, diseases spread from from uh, uh, cedar trees, but mayhaw is a native, like a crab apple type plant. Mayhaw is a nice small spring flowering tree, and it grows in wet areas. Um, our native swamp red maple, our, you know, it's, it's not the Japanese red maple, but our native red maple it typically grows in low wet areas. Uh, we also have yopon hollies, which make good size small evergreen trees, uh, and they do well in wet areas. So you know, and yopon holly to me is great. It's not a real dense. Uh, it's like a big rounded uh, uh, tree with small leaves, but it's a good evergreen. And re- really, Y A U P O N. It's a real dependable plant. Um, hey, can I get that from like a big box store? Say what? Can I get those from like a big box store? No, 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 no. Big box stores they sell whatever you know, what whatever their people somewhere else orders. You you're best off uh, finding a local place, local nursery. Okay. Uh, the, you know, the big box stores they sell what I call the the the, the top ten stuff, whether it grows here or not. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I shop there sometimes, especially price. for price. price. But if for you want. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to find a place that that we have a lot of wholesale growers that our local people buy whatever grows best from them. So anyway, okay. Yopon Holly is a good one. Uh, red maple, our native swamp red maple. Um, you know that would work, and you know that, that's a good one. A couple to start with. Hey, I love y'all show. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for being part of it, Chris. All righty. Yeah, big big box stores, you know, it's just like going to a fast food place, you know. You're not going to find – you go to a fast food place, you get fast food, but you don't have a lot of variety. But I guess also, too, it, it, it takes uh, the person who may go to the big box store to do a little bit of research on what's going to grow. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people, they're going to buy off of what looks pretty or what they kind of, yeah. you know, think that they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whereas the locally-owned uh, places – they're used to people coming and asking for something, and if they sell them something that doesn't work, those people come back and look look them in the eye and say, "What's <laughs> up with that?" You know. So, uh, local folks are more responsive to what do does well locally. Yeah, I can understand. And, that. and not only that, but you can go to a local garden center, Java, and say, "You know, I like ten uh, small yopon holly trees." 
and they're not going to have them, but they can order them to come in on their next shipment from their regular wholesale places. Local places give that kind of service. And uh, what I recommend, you go to a local garden center that sells trees and shrubs and say, can you get me some Yopon Holly, some nice, small, good quality ones, pretty cheap. And if they say, no, we can't do it, then what you do is say, well, can you recommend a place I can shop that will? Otherwise, I'm going to go back to the big box store. <laughs> but then you probably you won't get to your, your, your I, I know. I, I'm just saying local folks have the ability to order stuff for, 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 for customers. Yeah. Big box stores can't. You know, let's slide up to Madison, talk with Andrea. Andrea, what's up with your Confederate Rose? Hey, Felder. Howdy. It was so fun seeing your yard last weekend. <laughs> Thank you so much. Did you notice uh, when you go in the backyard, you got to touch a big old hairy rope? Yes, I did. <laughs> See, Java doesn't even know about this. But Java, I've got this big, you know, this big heavy nautical rope. You can barely put your hand around it and a knot on the end of it, and you can't get my backyard without touching it and moving it. And all that does is makes people slow down and feel stuff, just slow down. You can't just blow into my place. And I also have logs laid across my path you got to step over. Yeah, that's brand new. Yeah, well, I actually have been doing I, I I put it out every now and then. I just move it over. But all it does is it makes me slow down and touch and feel and think and get more focused. Anyway, Andrea. What can I help you with today? Okay, I heard it's going to get cold next week, and I've got buds all over my Confederate rose. Yeah. I heard you talking about switching it, so I've got <laughs> a piece of bamboo, and I'm wondering, is that going to work quick enough? No, the, today? no the, 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 the switching a plant causes it to set flower buds. You've already got flower buds. You're just beating your plant. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's not going to speed up. All that does is stimulate flower buds bud production. So once it's flowering, you don't need to do that. You know, unless it actually freezes, it's not going to hurt that plant at all. It, You know, we always get a, a, a cold snap. Are, are you actually in Madison? Are you in a neighborhood where houses are kind of close together? Yes, but I've also got some, um, there's a road behind me with so there, it is kind of open in the very back part. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm saying because there's a lot of radiated heat from the ground. It can get cold, but if it was warm and sunny during the day, that heat, the, the, the soil gives off a lot of heat in town and in neighborhoods, typically warmer, especially that first frost or so. So I wouldn't worry about it. You know, and some years they make them, some years they don't. But I, I, I'm willing to predict that you're not going to have a problem. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Okay. And if you're going to switch your plants, anyway, make sure your neighbors see you. They'll cut you some slack next time they run into an issue with you. That's right. They'll be scared. <laughs> okay. See you, Andrea. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, switching your plants, make them bloom. You know, we are, you know, I don't know if it's going to frost or not. It might up in North Mississippi, you know, but it's, you know, usually our average first frost for Central Mississippi is early November. Well, I did see something if I'm if I'm correct on the news this morning that next week we're gonna have some 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 down low temperatures. Huh? You know, you, usually it happens halfway through the fair, but uh, you know, if, if it's gonna get cold suddenly, about all you can do is cover plants up, throw something over it, and if you're gonna do that, it's important that whatever you throw over it goes all the way to the ground because that way it catches the heat rising from the ground. You so know. just throwing it over the top, it doesn't really do anything. You need to kind of create yeah, an envelope. Yeah, you, you throw it over the top, that'll knock some cold wind off. But what you want to do is put it all the way to the ground because there's a lot of heat coming up out of the ground. 
and that's, that, that traps it. It's like a little tent. Now, what's, uh, I guess, the good good plants that you wouldn't have to worry about covering up? I, I don't cover anything up. Oh. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got hundred people have been through my yard now. All the stuff in my yard, I don't cover. I've, I've got some lettuces. I've got a little small uh, a raised bed, and I will throw stuff over that if it's going to freeze just for that night, and then uncover the day. But other than than my lettuces, I don't cover anything up, and because I grow plants that like it here, and a lot of people freak out over stuff that is normal. <laughs> it's normal. If you got stuff that's going to freeze and you're worried about it, that's because you planted the wrong stuff. Shopping at the big bucks store. There you go. That's that's right. Okay, let's go now to Florence and talk with Roger. Roger, what's going on? Oh, enjoying the program again. Thank, Thank you. you very, very, very much. You bet. I think I have a confession More than half of my uh, almost nine decades, I have hated uh, eggplants. I discovered in my late adulthood how good it is, and I want to nominate it for the Mississippi vegetable. The Mississippi vegetable. As you know, you grow them square, they, they survive, they call you. I, mean, I don't know about nourishment. I wish I had seen yeah. It's a wonderful plant, and so what do you think about that? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want it as visual because I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm only in my 70th, uh, and I ain't ready to, to say I like eggplant yet. <laughs> But uh, it's in the same family as tomatoes and peppers, you know, and it's fairly easy to grow. And and get this, Roger, there's some different varieties. There's some that are that are, are are look just like white eggs, and there's some that are long and skinny like zucchinis, and they're really easy to slice. So, you know, if you're really getting into eggplant, try some of the different kinds. There's pretty kinds. There's there's Japanese long skinny kinds. There's lots of different ones. Felder, you never had a uh, like a, a, a eggplant uh, parmesan? Uh, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't like it. Oh, come on! But man. you know, and I'll, I'll admit, Jav, I shouldn't say this because you know I'm supposed to be all for all, but, 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 but <laughs> I don't like I don't eat mushrooms either. And some people may eat portobello burgers. Yeah, now some people do. Yeah, as a as a meat substitute. Yeah, no, yeah. And, you know, you can't put ketchup on a portobello <laughs> bur- or cheese. You know, I I, I don't guess, but. And, uh, you know, eggplant, just, it's got a mouthfeel thing, you know, for, for me. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people don't like biting into a raw tomato because it feels weird. Yeah, now that's something. I wonder if Mississippi does have an official vegetable. I'm, you know, I'm sure that we do. I'm sure that we do, but I don't know. I don't, but I don't know if eggplant will make the cut, uh, Roger. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, had a pretty good time. Brought my truck in this morning, my little truck garden. I'll put a picture of it up for for our uh, for our podcast. My little miniature truck with a tiny homemade bottle tree and a gnome and the succulents. It will stay out all winter long. I grow winter hardy succulents in containers, and we could talk about that next week. Well, I'll be broadcasting live uh, from Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, six o'clock at the at the Kosciuszko Library. It's a free program. Look forward to seeing some of y'all there. This is a great time of year to take a kid or just go yourself. Take a friend. Find somebody who doesn't get out much. Go to a farmer's market. Garden centers are loaded with cool plants for 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 outdoor pots. Farmers markets, but if you got some kids, take them there. Take them to garden center. Take them to a farmers market. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org.
org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.